Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. The more you ship, the more you save. With Canada Post Solutions for Small Business, we'll reward your repeat business with automatic savings. Visit CanadaPost.ca forward slash small business to see how you can start saving up to 34% on shipping in Canada. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. We're thrilled to have Ted Fleming, founder of Partick Brewing, on the show with us today. And Ted is here to talk beer. Five years ago, he gave up alcohol due to Crohn's disease, but unfortunately, that meant everything great about beer besides the booze went as well. The taste, the camaraderie, the joy of discovering new beers. After a friend suggested Ted try non-alcoholic beer, which he did to his taste buds' disappointment, he did what so many of our guests on the Startup Podcast do and crafted his own solution. Based in Calgary, Alberta, Ted is here to share his take on building a dry business in a saturated market and the role of community in starting startups. Welcome to the show, Ted. Thanks, Matt. Great to be here. And it's great to have you as well. Now, before we dive in today, let's start with the top three things you want entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation today. Sure. So I think I think what will come out of our conversation is that uh, sometimes going against conventional wisdom can sometimes be a good thing. Um, it's okay to be early into a market if, if you treat it as a learning experience. And for me, and this is something I, I'm constantly working on and getting better at, is is really focusing on on the really important things of my business and and being able to say no to the things that aren't important. So Ted, can you take us on the journey of Partake Brewing? How did you become Ted Fleming, founder and CEO of Partake Brewing? Sure. So um, my journey in this business really, it begins a little over 10 years ago. And um, unfortunately for me, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in, in my late 20s. And that was the start of a lot of changes in my life, um, particularly around health and wellness and, and diet. And, um, you know, in the early days, I was I was a bit in denial about my situation and, and didn't make 
make some of those changes. I still like to go out and play sports. I like to socialize. And, you know, that, that started to catch up with me. And unfortunately, um, I was on a vacation in the Mediterranean a few years after being diagnosed. And uh, I spent most of that vacation in the hospital with, with some uh, issues related to Crohn's disease. And sort of as you're in the hospital bed and being able to look out at this nice, uh, nice Mediterranean sea, uh, I had some time to reflect. And, and part of that uh, was I, I made a decision then and there to really, to really make a concerted effort to, to uh, change things for the better for me. And, and part of that was um, a decision to give up alcohol and given that alcohol and, and beer in particular was a, a big part of the way I socialized, uh, I found that very difficult. So I was looking for an alternative and non-alcoholic beer seemed to be the thing that was uh, was going to fit there. And, and for a while it, it worked out, um, you know, there weren't great products at the time, but some, some were okay. Um, but I found that I started to stray from that because there really wasn't um, great variety. Uh, everything was a lager. Um, and the quality just, you know, it was, it was average at best. So it didn't really keep, keep my interest. And I found myself strained, particularly when I go out with my friends to a craft beer establishment and, and having so much choice and variety there that I'd, I'd, uh, I get off the path that, um, I was aspiring to be on. And so, uh, an evolution of that was, um, in 2012 and 2013, I started thinking about, okay, how, how can I, how can I be better at this? And I started reading about the evolution of non-alcoholic beer in Europe. And there were, it seemed like a lot of breweries were making non-alcoholic beer there. There was a lot more variety. The quality was better. And so in 2013, I started, I started an online business called premiumnearbeer.com. And we started to consolidate uh, around non-alcoholic, a lot of non-alcoholic beer brands and doing some of our own importing and sort of bringing that variety and quality to the North American market through an online store. Um, and that did quite well. And we grew that business, uh, to a few hundred thousand dollars per year. And we expanded to non-alcoholic wines and non-alcoholic spirits as well. But we hit a fork in the road with that business. It wasn't, it wasn't scalable beyond our local market and shipping beer, um, especially beer and glass bottles was, uh, was challenging, um, in the best of times, let alone in, in a cold climate like Canada, where you can get a lot of freezing and, and shattering of products. So we were for, faced with this decision to either franchise that business to get closer to our consumers or to take a pivot and create our own product and, and be able to use sort of traditional distribution. And so we took the latter route and that's sort of where Partake Brewing started. We launched on Kickstarter in April of 2017. We had a, a very successful campaign, and a lot of that success is is attributable to the fact that we had we had built this community around non-alcoholic beer through our online store, and then our first product came to market in in September. Once we had the uh, the Kickstarter money, and we were able to find some partners, and and in a lot of ways having the the reputation around the online store allowed us to enter into conversations with brewers who, who um, may not have taken us seriously without, without that history. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations. First of all, that's, uh, that's, that's something definitely to be proud of um, scaling from, uh, from again, your local community to building that clout and then, and then taking it as far as it obviously has taken you so far. Um, and that being said, uh, 
even though you said that in your research of North American and your experience with North American non-alcoholic beers, even though there doesn't really seem to be that type of variety of, of products that you said you were looking for so much, is it still fair to say that it's a saturated market for non-alcoholic beer in North America? Well, there's, there's certainly a lot of product on the shelf and sort of where we saw there being opportunity in a market that, that did have quite a few products in, in the lager section and, and from big brands. Um, so, you, you know, you, you go to the shelf and you'll see a lot of the, the well-known world brands of, of beer, but there, there really wasn't anyone in the craft non-alcoholic beer space. And that's where we saw our opportunity and we saw opportunity for improvement and bringing really the experience that comes with craft beer into the non-alcoholic beer segment. And that, that for us meant quality of product, variety, uh, and authenticity around why, why we're making the product, creativity to make uh, very different styles of beers, and really a true passion for for a category that really has not had a lot of love from um, even from the players that have been in it for a long time. It seems to have been sort of a, an afterthought category for them, whereas for us, it's it's our sole purpose. Mm-hmm. So really taking that, that premium mindset and, and bringing it to a space that uh that you're in your own experience you saw as being a lackluster or not being given the attention that it that it deserved can you share some of the uh, can you share some of the challenges that you faced breaking into that kind of space even though you're coming at it from an angle that uh, nobody else was really taking yeah I, I i think we were in the north american context anyways we were we were still early into the into the segment we were the first one with the concept of a craft non-alcoholic brewery i think in all of north america and the first one to really put product, uh, make product available to people. Um, I think as a small company, though, being early was was a necessity to us being as successful as we are now, and and hopefully to be even more successful down the road. Um, we had early traction. We had a lot of uh, you know customers willing to try our product because it was the only one or one of the very first. And so, you know, we're looked at as, as a real innovator in the space. And, you know, a few years from now, we'll still be able to go back and say, yeah, we were, we were the original person. We were the original company into craft non-alc. We were the innovators. People came after us and, and there are other companies in the space now, um, that are also innovating. Um, but we're certainly part of that very first cohort of companies that really came into the market with the right reasons to to change this marketplace for the better and uh, I think that's uh, that's important and you know it gives us a, a big advantage when we talk um, about our product relative to our competitors um, that's an authentic there's an authenticity to what we're doing that I think is hard for our competitors to uh, to compete with mm-hmm so you guys are really just kind of the first ones that came in and grabbed the mic and the spotlight at the same time. Um, that being said, how have you managed to keep the momentum going? So I think I think we've really you know embraced innovation as a core value of our company. We're constantly trying to bring out new products, but uh, also at the same time we have to do that in a measured way, in a way that um, makes it available for as many customers of ours as possible at the same time, so as not to alienate some. Um, so it's very much a measured innovation process for us and, and then, uh, a bringing products to market, uh, process, uh, as part of that. Um, 
so I think innovation really is is what keeps people coming back to us. We have some products that we've scaled and are in um, some large retailers, but there's also products that we're experimenting with and we'll sell through our website and we're keeping keeping people engaged uh, in that way. And we have more things, you know, planned down the road that will that will further the the innovation within the non-alcoholic beer space. So I think you really get a as a company. I think innovation is is um, very highly sought after from consumers, and and we're bringing that innovation to uh, to this category. Mm-hmm. And uh, there must be some challenges as well that come along with bringing innovation to an industry that can be as highly regulated as the one that you're acting in in the food and beverage space. Are there any specific hurdles that come with uh, that you know might hamper that kind of in- innovation you're looking for that come uh, just from the sheer fact of this is the market and uh, product you're existing in? Yeah, for us, there's there's traditionally our product has come through um, the beer channel with beer distributors, and th- this is not so much in Canada, but more so in the U.S. That there are are, are very established routes to market, and in some ways that's good. But in other ways, we should be able to operate outside that. We should be able to sell through a food distributor. We should be able to sell online. We should be able to sell through a beer distributor if we want. And there are regulations that make that hard. And and even the structure of the way retail buyers are used to having product come into their store, they want it to come in a certain way. And so we're kind of tied to a, a little bit to a, a legacy um business and so it's it's been a bit harder for us to innovate from a from a getting product to customers point of view uh particularly in the in the u.s and then um extending that into the labeling side where in the united states we have some limitations on what we can even call our product so for instance uh we have a non-alcoholic stout which is very popular um but in the u.s we're not allowed to use the word stout um, because it potentially risks confusing customers with an alcoholic beer, so we have some of these little nuances mm. that uh, we try to we try to work around. But uh, it's uh, it keeps things on a daily basis. You're always learning something and and trying to adapt to new challenges, and uh, it it keeps things uh, fresh and exciting for sure. And interesting to say the least. So why don't we uh, take a step back to building Partake Brewing from the ground up? What did you learn about growing a team when you were starting this business? So early on for the, the first year to 18 months, it was it was a very small team. It was uh, myself and, and one other person. And then more recently, you know, within the, within the last year to year and a half, we've really, really scaled up and our team is now about 14 people. And in addition to that, that rate of growth and the complexity that comes with that, we... I moved to Calgary from Toronto, and so our team sort of naturally um, was split. And so probably two-thirds of our team in, is now here with me in Calgary, and and uh, a third is is in Toronto. Um, and and so growing that business and and having those people in different spots was was definitely challenging. And we're still working on trying to build a, a, co- a cohesive company culture that involves two offices, but. Um, there's definitely been a change for me as as the as the owner and founder that and CEO that you know early on we focused on really hard subjects and hard numbers like sales numbers and and uh, you know our, our accounting and our receivables and now for me it's it's really shifted my mindset to 
building culture and building team and and we're doing um, you know we we have some processes now in place that that really hire that you know passion is is a huge um, thing we look for when we're when we're hiring new people uh, we look for people who have um, that really want want to be part of the team they can do the job that they're they're uh, being hired for and uh, they they really want it they have a desire to help us uh, succeed so we've tried to try to build uh, you know a culture around people that are really passionate about what we do they can be you know users of partake themselves and have their own personal stories or have a friend or a family member that that uses it and and I think that personal connection to the brand is uh, super important for us and and helps build you know that connection for our team whether someone's in Toronto or Calgary um, they're able to to uh, you know speak the same language and and know why we're we're all sort of rowing in the same direction it seems like you you started originally uh, with with more of a focus on you know what do we do and now it's as if you're moving towards a uh, a who we are kind of mindset and and it, it seems like you're in the midst of the process of uh, of not even figuring that out but building it out uh, both from internally and having that reflect externally uh, for who you do um, so that being said, uh, now that you're you're spending this this time and focus on building that identity from the inside and out, uh, how did you find your place in the startup ecosystem in Calgary, and what have you learned about it? Yeah, mo- moving to Calgary has been, you know, a really great move for uh, my family and I, and and it's been good for the business. There's a great community here in in Calgary of of startup entrepreneurs, whether it's people in food and beverage that I, I tend to. Uh, you know, work with with more often, but uh, certainly there's there's great entrepreneurs here that are working on things like uh, climate change and and uh, making oil sands uh, more ecologically friendly and less carbon intensive. Um, to um, a lot of tech companies here as well, so um, it's a great community. There's a lot of help. There's a lot of resources. Um, when I first came to Calgary. You know, even Startup Canada had their um, their export challenge, which I went to and met a lot of great people there. So there's always lots of events that, from a networking point of view, um, here that uh, that's really helped me become, you know, part of part of the city. And and from you know, certainly it helps from a business point of view, but also from a personal point of view, um, being a new person in a new in a new city, um, I have a lot of great friends. Uh, here in the city now that are also entrepreneurs. So I, I you know, I value that community uh, quite highly. So now that you've got a solid footing in your business in Calgary, how has your relationship in the startup ecosystem changed? Yeah, so the, the ecosystem here in Calgary is, is quite vibrant. Um, when I first came here, the first week I spent at the ATB, um, which is a bank here in, in Alberta, uh, they have an entrepreneur center went in there. Uh, my home office was full of boxes at that point, having just moved. So that was sort of my office for the first month and a half. And they had all kinds of seminars, uh, lunch and learns there, um, some, some office space I could use. Um, so that really just from the, from day one helped me kind of integrate into the Calgary entrepreneur system. And there were all kinds of resources there. Um, more recently we became part of an accelerator run by ATB called ATBX. And that's gotten me um, exposure to all kinds of other entrepreneurs. Um, outside of food and beverage, there are some 
food and beverage companies in in the program, but but people who uh, a lot of whom have have had jobs in the past in oil and gas and with the downturn here have turned to entrepreneurship, whether it was something that uh, they were doing as a side hustle um, before or something that, you know, they've been wanting to do for a while. And then this, uh, the, the economics of uh, what's going on in Alberta has forced them into it. But uh, as you know, as the saying goes, necessity is the mother of invention. And I think you're seeing a lot of great ideas and great, um, innovation coming out of Alberta because of the downturn. And so there is a bit of a silver lining there. I know it doesn't replace all the jobs that uh, are lost in, in a primary industry like oil and gas, but there there is a lot of, there are a lot of great stories of entrepreneurship happening in Alberta. And uh, I, in general, I think the the governments in Calgary, municipally and, and at the provincial level and at the federal level are are, are generally very supportive of entrepreneurship and, and new innovation and, and job growth. So it's, it's, it's an exciting time to, to be here and be part of the entrepreneur community. Mm. And building on that, on that change, that's really, uh, again, is, is, as you said, it's, you know, necessity being the mother of invention, being this, this kind of playing field that's now, uh, you know, open to entrepreneurs, uh, not only for the taking, but needed for the taking. Uh, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs in the face of economic hardship and polarization in uh, in the face of, again, just uh, harder economic times? Yeah, I, I think the polarization that, that's come out at a national political level really doesn't translate to the entrepreneurship community. I think... Um, you know, whenever I go to trade shows in Toronto or Vancouver, it's it's a very welcoming group. Um, we're all supportive of each other. I talk to entrepreneurs across the country on a regular basis. Um, whether they're giving me advice, I'm giving them advice, or it's a fairly uh, a mutual conversation. But there's a lot of help out there. People are are happy to help other entrepreneurs. Very supportive. There's ways to um, work in partnership. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I think that that's a, a level of community that you know it's it binds us together across the country, and it's going to be those types of those types of bonds that uh, really help us help us um, stay together as a, as a country and as a community. That you know, at a political level, maybe there is talk of of other things, but I, I that doesn't really enter into the entrepreneur spotlight from from my experience and that's and that's great to hear from your perspective too and uh, and I'd like to just dig in a little further on um, what role exactly you think the startup community plays uh, not just in the west but across Canada as well well I think it's it's a great engine of job creation it's a uh, startup community is obviously helping to diversify and, that, and that's a big theme here in Alberta in particular but I, I think it should be across the country that we that we have more diversification in in our economy. We have uh, a vibrant tech sector. We have a vibrant food and beverage sector, um, service sector. Um, a lot of this diversification can come through innovation and uh, entrepreneurship. And um, you know, it'd be nice to see a, a larger national strategy about diversification and and a larger strategy within Alberta. And I think those things are coming. Um, but I think in the past, what's happened is is people have talked about diversification in our economy, but have ultimately gone back to um, 
sort of the, the primary industries of uh, hewing wood and drawing water in Canada in particular. And I think we need to be become more competitive in the information innovation uh, space going forward. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the role that uh, that you think you know community can bring, not only in in fostering and uh, and supporting startups on their way up and their way out as well, do you think there's a larger role to be played at uh, at a national level from startups in order to bring this awareness of innovation and bring this culture of innovation to some of the bigger and established businesses in uh, in Canada? Yeah, I, I think I think you see that. That's that cycle and that ecosystem more so in the U.S. And I think Canada needs to up its game in that respect. Um, certainly, uh, big business in the U.S. sees the value of innovation. They're acquiring innovation. Um, in Canada, I think there needs to be yeah, more um, more systemic um, uh connection between what's going on at the startup entrepreneur or innovation level and how that would benefit uh, larger companies perhaps down the road and the overall Canadian economy uh, as part of that. Mm. And what role would you see for an organization like Startup Canada for uh, for bringing that kind of awareness? Well, Startup Canada has been great for, for me as, a, as an entrepreneur and, and for my business just as a platform to uh, pitch our business to uh, connect with um, larger businesses, service providers, other entrepreneurs. Uh, I think there's there's a huge role that uh, uh, on a national level that can be played, and we do tend to work a little bit in silos, um, especially at the early stage uh, of a startup business. But uh, I think that perspective of going, getting a national perspective, and then being able to uh, converse about sort of the overall strategy and opportunities and and what sort of Canada's role as a as an entrepreneurial country and innovative country country uh, what that can evolve to mm. and I think kind of as, as a nice uh, tie up to that uh, how do you think Canada can and needs to punch above its weight with regard to entrepreneurship across the country so yeah I, I think Canada is is really you know it, we're, a, we're a small country in a in a um, in a, a large world, but the, we have a, a lot of um, very bright people. We have a high rate of education. Um, we're, we're wealthy. We have great resources. So there's no reason why Canada can't sort of punch above its weight when it comes to entrepreneurship and, uh, and innovation. And I, I think we can do that in a lot of ways by providing communities to learn from, like accelerator programs, more educational curriculums around entrepreneurship, and uh, government funding uh, as well for early stage companies to to help take the risk away from uh, that, with with a view of this being a longer term play to diversify the diversify the the economy, to create jobs, to create maybe a few global champions that that may come out of it. Not every company, of course, is going to do that, but you'll get a few, and those few will will bring everyone else up as well. But there's a lot of successes that are. You know that you don't read about in the newspaper, and I think we should value value those successes as well. Well, you need to see it to be it, right? Of course. So as we wrap up our conversation today, um, and just as a final note, what do you think the biggest piece of advice from our conversation do you think entrepreneurs could take and really implement immediately in their business after listening to us today? Well, I think for me the the big one is is just being able to focus on 
on really what the core things are that your business is about, what the important things that move the needle are, and and being able to to selectively focus on that versus a lot of things that come at you as an entrepreneur. There's a lot of shiny objects out there, and and being able to say no to certain ones and yes to the to the right ones, I, I think is very is very important and, and something I'm continually working on to get to, to get better at myself. Ted, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, thank you for your experience, for sharing your expertise, for sharing your wisdom, and really giving us this uh, this overview of, of really what your place in a uh, in what again so many people would call a saturated market and how you really stuck your flag on the ground and waved it as high and as proud as you can uh, while being again the, really the pioneers of premium uh, premium non-alcoholic beer well thanks matt it was a pleasure to be on more than happy to have you all the best ted thanks again cheers Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 